listening to Locked On Angels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now here's the host of Locked On Angels, Brent McGuire. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Angels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You're locked in with your host, Brent McGuire. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So I'm incredibly excited for today's episode. I'm bringing on a familiar voice and guest, Fabian Ardaya. Fabian has been at the Athletic Los Angeles for the last three seasons, and we're going to discuss what this season has been like for the Angels and talk about his personal journey to this point. In the first segment, we're going to discuss the state of the Angels, what has gone wrong, what the future looks like, and how to ultimately analyze what has been a very weird season for the world and baseball as a whole. In the second segment, we're going to discuss Fabian's rise to becoming one of the best and youngest journalists at the Athletic. We're going to talk about the complexities of covering baseball during the middle of the pandemic. We're going to talk about the recent intersection of politics and sports in baseball. And finally, we're going to talk about Fabian's most memorable game and story with The Athletic. As a reminder, you can follow my written work at CrashingThePearlyGates.com, an Angels blog dedicated to daily Angels coverage. And you can follow my personal Twitter page at BMAGS94, where you'll find my daily thoughts on the Angels and the sport of baseball. You can also follow the Locked On Angels podcast on Twitter under the same name. And if you want to download and subscribe the Locked On Angels podcast, head to your favorite podcasting platform, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, or any platform of your choice. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Fabian Ardaya. All right, I am pleased to be joined by Fabian Ardaya of The Athletic Los Angeles. Fabian is a familiar voice on the show. He's appeared with Taylor in the past. Uh, Fabian is in his third season at The Athletic Los Angeles. He's one of the youngest and brightest figures in the baseball journalism world. Fabian, how are you doing today? I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there. How about you? Doing all right. Trying to make the most of the current situation. Uh, Let's talk about some Angels baseball. So I really want to just get right into it. Uh, obviously, this has been a rough season for the Angels. There's just no sugarcoating it. And obviously, there are a ton of factors at play, mainly the fact that we're trying to play baseball in the middle of a pandemic. But a lot of those same issues from past years are persisting, pitching, depth across the roster, kind of a stars and scrubs approach to building the roster. Uh, what exactly has gone wrong, and how do you what do you make of this season? I think it, I'm still struggling of what to make of this season just because it's such a small sample in general. Uh, have the Angels played like the worst team in the American League? Probably, yeah. Are like Is the roster talent that of the worst team in the American League? I don't think so. I think this the roster talent of this team is still sort of where we expected it to be. And I think a lot of the negative traits about the roster, things that we've pointed out in the past, things that still exist, uh, things that we thought might be better going into 2020, where maybe there's a little bit more pitching depth. You felt a little bit better about the steps forward that some of the young pitchers could take. Or more position player depth. Yeah, they have more bodies they can throw out there. They don't have to sign 
like a minor league free agent for these guys, but they haven't quite produced yet. And I think seeing all those things, seeing some guys get really, really cold at the plate, like Justin Upton, uh, and seeing a slower start for Joe Adele, a slow start for Albert Pujols, like there's just so many guys that are really kind of struggling out of the gate, both in the lineup and the bullpen and the rotation. It, it just seems like everyone's a click off the entire month of the season. I think it's just one of those situations where every team's going to have bad months. Uh, this is a really bad month. And I think it's been a bad three months if you date back to last year after the deadline. So, I mean, there are clear issues, clear roster construction issues and things that need to get fixed. But overall, I mean, the base talent of this team is still sort of what we thought it would be. It's just one of those things where they don't have 162 games to figure it out. They have 60. And, I mean, really it's less than that if you really want to be in the hunt. Yeah, so that's and that's the tricky part of all this. How are you supposed to evaluate a 60-game season? I mean, obviously we have those red flags. The pitching has been bad. That's not new to the Angels. But when we're evaluating this on such a small sample, it's not even half of a normal season, and the circumstances are just so weird. Like between the spring training getting cut short and not having baseball for months, and then the summer camp ramping up, it created a, a hard situation for all teams. So it makes it really difficult to evaluate. So my next question is, where do the Angels go from here? And I know this is a really difficult question to answer because there are so many factors at play, but what what does the club do from here to ensure that they're going to be better next season and beyond? Uh, I think, first off, it's going to come down to the decision that Artie Moreno is going to have to make at the end of the season. Uh, Billy Upler is in the last year of his contract. And obviously, I mean, they're in a position where the way Epler has operated the last five years – is a lot under this model of trying to rebuild a farm system that was the worst in baseball, of trying to add depth to a roster on the edges in a way that you really couldn't, like with a couple of big signings because of some of the payroll uh, obligations that they had early on in his time. And they had to do all of this without blowing it all up. Uh, they weren't going to trade like a Garrett Richards. They weren't going to trade like an Andrew Heaney. Uh, they weren't going to trade young, controllable players, Cole Calhoun, uh, to try to expedite the process. And they wanted to sort of be in that range where they're close enough that if enough breaks went right, they would win 86, 87 games and be in the playoffs. And they were close a couple times. Like 2017, I believe, they were a couple of games out of the wild card. Um, 2018, they finished 80 and 82. And they were able to improve the front off. Uh, the uh, farm system, they were able to improve some of the depth that was there. But there still is a lot missing from this roster. Uh, they still haven't been able to overhaul the pitching. They still haven't had a winning record in their five years. So it's going to be on Artie Moreno if he wants to give if, – if he looks at this 60-game season and sort of like takes something from it but not necessarily a whole lot and sort of just gives it Billy Epler another year to sort of figure it out one last run at it, one last 162 game run at it, um, or if he wants to move on uh, to another front office. And I think that's going to be something that's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on. And it's also going to be really interesting to see how, like, the different ways the Angels can improve this roster. I don't know how much, how many ways they have to do that right now because free agency, I have no idea what that's going to look like because we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, owners claim to be losing money, so if they are, then they probably – are not going to spend as much during free agency, which is something they were already not doing as much in recent years. Last year may be an exception there. 
Uh, and then the trade market, teams are going to be more willing to hold on to controllable players who have not reached arbitration yet, which are exactly the type of players the Angels want to acquire. Um, the international market is interrupted because they moved the international signing period from July to January. And then all of a sudden the draft, it was cut down to five rounds this past year, is going to get cut down again probably next year. So there's so many different paths that Major League Baseball has done to cut down how you can acquire talent. So that's going to make it even tougher for a team like the Angels to really come up with the real pieces that they need to complete this roster and make it a good enough roster to get to the postseason and not have to worry about a couple of breaks going right. And that's the tricky thing with the Angels roster, and that's kind of how it's been for the last half decade or so. You've got Mike Trout and Anthony Rendell, and these are two of the best players in the entire game, but they're not going to be at this level for the rest of their careers. There is going to be a decline. There are going to be injuries at some point. So constructing that roster around them is its a little bit complicated for the reasons you mentioned. One of the guys I think we're sure is going to be around on this roster for years to come is Joe Adele. And I think his struggles so far have been well-documented. He's a rookie who has come onto the scene at a very weird time in baseball history. Was probably not ready for the show, needed some more time in AAA, but he was called up because they felt like this was the right chance to to give him that time that he needs to become that player the Angels envision. My question to you is, are you at all concerned about his level of play? Are you any less optimistic that you might have been a month or two ago? Or are you still pretty confident that this is a really good baseball player that's just struggling? I'm still optimistic that obviously the talent is there. Uh, is the certainty that he's going like, to hit and be a superstar less than a little bit? Maybe. But like, just that's just because, like, he hasn't hit the ground running. I don't, I don't think anyone really expected him necessarily to do that. Um, I've sort of been, been writing this since last fall when he was at the fall league. It's just sort of – he's not – he wasn't really close to pushing – to knocking on that door yet. I mean, he had just gotten AAA last year. And it's not like he tore the co- cover off the ball there either. I mean, there are more and more players, especially because of the pandemic, uh, more and more prospects coming up and more and more guys coming up that are, like, skipping AAA. Some are skipping double A. And some of them have been successful. Some of them have not. But it's important to remember that I think when he came up, Joe Adele was the youngest position player in baseball. I mean, that's – there's going to be a learning curve there. But we're seeing some signs of, like, some things that are improving. Like he's feeling a little bit more comfortable in the outfield. Plays aren't necessarily – I mean, he's not necessarily playing great defense out there, but he just looks comfortable. He looks more comfortable in the batter's box. He, it doesn't seem like the game's necessarily like speeding up on him as much as it used to. Like you could see in that first week in the big leagues, like there were moments where it really sped up on him. Uh, but like you're seeing some of those flashes, and you could see like he is incredibly fast. He hits the ball incredibly hard. Like and he asks the right questions, talks to the right people, and then, like if you talk to him, like he's just a really really smart guy who works really really hard. So all those things, like in the long term, I think he'll be fine. But it's still like. It, he came up a little bit early, and that's just the circumstance of this 2020 season, and he's just going to have to sort of maybe take his lumps this year and figure it out. And the Angels are going to be in a position where they're still going to have him for a long time. I think people, are, people aren't going to be less high necessarily on him on the whole uh, based off of a 60-game season or, like, the 40 games that he plays this year. I think it's just an example of, like, what he's able to do. And obviously, like, any positive signs you take, you'll get – but um, 
it's just it's too early to be really concerned about where Joe Adele's at. Obviously, like if you want him to be playing better, if you want the Angels to have a shot in the postseason this year, but it seems like at this point, like that that's sort of a wash. Like at this point, you just want to take whatever positive signs you can out of it. We're gonna to head to a quick break. Make sure to stick around for the second segment with Fabian, where we talk about his rise to this point and what it's been like to work at the Athletic Los Angeles and ultimately cover the Angels, what it's been like to cover baseball during the middle of a pandemic. We'll discuss the recent intersection of sports and politics. And finally, we'll talk about Fabian's favorite story at The Athletic. When you need red wine at 4 p.m., sushi at 9 p.m., a breakfast burrito at 8 a.m., and ibuprofen at 10 a.m., Postmate it. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S. and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery and convenience stores, and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 off free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code LOCKEDON. Before we get into the second segment with Fabian, I want to remind you guys and encourage you to stick around for podcasts later this week. On Wednesday's episode, I'm going to talk with Javier Reyes of the Locked On Padres podcast. Javier and I are going to talk about the Padres being the most exciting team in baseball this year, what this crazy journey has been like, and we're going to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. And in Thursday's episode, I'm going to talk to Rahul Seti the editor at CrashingThePearlyGates.com, where Hula is a good friend of mine and someone I trust that really knows the game of baseball. I'm really excited to discuss Angels baseball with him. I want to make a bit of a pivot here and talk a little bit more about your experience at The Athletic and what it's been like to cover the Angels. So obviously you came on at a pretty unique time. 2018 was a pretty big year for the Angels, bringing Shohei Otani over from Japan after signing him. The following year, Mike Trout was basically signed to be an angel for life. The team hasn't been good. That much is clear, but you've also been able to cover some of the most recognizable names in the sport. The aforementioned Trout, Otani, Angleton Simmons, Albert Pujols, even at the back end of his career, still close to achieving all these milestones. My question is, what has it been like to cover a team with so many recognizable names from the sport of baseball? I think uh, from my standpoint, like maybe from a viewership standpoint, like maybe they're not the most interesting team on paper. Like you'll watch wherever Trout comes up to bat. You'll watch wherever Otani does. You'll see like a lot of highlights from them. But at least for me, like how I approach it, like there are a lot of just like compelling people, like as far as like where they're at in their career, different stuff like that. Like Albert Poole is at the end of this career, but like he's at the end of this Hall of Fame career. And obviously the second half hasn't gone the way he wanted it to go or anyone wanted it to go. But at the end of the day, like, he still is someone who, like, is a Hall of Famer. He is a part of history. And, like, he is – his story is still evolving. And, like, it's part of that story. Uh, Mike Trout, like, people say he's not the most interesting guy. But, like, there are interesting things you can find about him. And he's really 
I mean, he's really opened up his voice a lot more the last couple of years. And he's shown a little bit more of who he is. And, like, I mean, we've seen that. And I think it's, like, it's little glimmers that we've seen. It's so, uh, pulling that stuff out that's really interesting to me. And then, like, Shohei Otani being just – it's a unique experience just to cover him, obviously, because of how he's covered, but also all the stuff he can do on a baseball field when he's healthy. I only got, like, a little bit of a taste of that just because I started – I think I got to see two of his starts on the mound before he got hurt. Um, but, uh, like, he's just an incredibly interesting uh, player, and pr- the way he analyzes the game, the way that people talk about how he looks at the game is really interesting to me. And Andrew Simmons is the same way. Like, he sees everything on that field. And it, it's just really interesting to just, like, sit and pick these people's minds and try to find a way to like, tell these stories. Like, for me, at least, like, it's something that's pretty interesting. And I know, like, obviously, like, Maybe it's not the most interesting team national nationwide, but like I have tried to find different ways I can make them in, more interesting to a wider audience. Yes, yeah, so like storytelling is such an integral part of journalism, and obviously in the 2020 season, things are very, very different. Uh, that I mean the pandemic, the social unrest, there are so many different things that are creating for a different type of journalism, and obviously that's impacted you and more ways than one. I kind of wanted to ask you about how this whole process has played out and how you have had to shift kind of on the fly, because obviously uh, you don't predict a pandemic coming, but kind of want to hear about your experiences this season. Uh, Like it's interesting. Uh, I think the biggest thing, the biggest thing that my, I've had people tell me and like editors tell me, people I trust tell me like just sort of stick to what interests you and stuff that's authentic to you as a writer and I think the freedom that the athletic gives with that is something that I really appreciate. And I think is something that's sort of helping get like helping manage a really weird season to cover. Like I, I don't even really know what's interesting to me half the time, just because everything's such a small sample uh, just because like there are so many bigger and more important things than baseball necessarily going on right now that like are sort of like, you're just trying to manage like the different perspectives that people have on stuff while also, like there's a trade line going on. So like, and these are in, the issues that are important. And I think it's something that like, as a person of color myself, as an Hispanic uh, journalist, like I feel like, especially with the game, like having so many Latin American players being essentially the main talent source now, I think as far as like how, what player, like what teams are targeting in terms of volume of players coming into an organization. Uh, so like, it's just, it's important to be able to tell those stories. I think it gives a context of who these people are so they can have that idea in their mind when they are reading about like if Justin Upton's in a slump, like they have at least like that, whether if I mention the story or not, like they have that context there where like they know his background, they know where he came from. They came from a baseball family, was number one overall pick and was a star really at the end of the second, at the end of the two thousands was pretty much an underappreciated star. You bring up an important issue, and I think I'd be remiss to not mention the fact that we're in the middle of these ongoing conversations about race and politics and social justice in the sport of baseball. I mean, we're seeing it with the postponement of games and players speaking out. I mean, we've seen it, you know, firsthand with the Angels. We saw on opening day uh, several of the African-American players on the Angels roster, Justin Upton, Brian Goodwin, Keenan Middleton, using their platform to speak out against some of these issues. And I think as you know, talking to you as someone that's a part of the sports media, you're probably often told to 
stick to sports. At least that was kind of the old way of telling journalists to do their job. And now we're seeing this transformation of people speaking out and talking about these important issues. And I just kind of want to get your perspective on how you balance that line between speaking out and also talking about the sport of baseball. I think the biggest thing is remaining authentic to that person's experience. And I think, I think the best way you could do that is if you do have a shared experience with that person to be able to share that, to be able to like, like put that to words and really understand that. Like, cause I think it's not necessarily enough to say like, Oh, I don't have a bias here. Like I don't, I don't really care either way. I'm just trying to be objective hardline about this, but like, at a certain extent, like there are certain experiences that like people just need to be able to understand and hear and tell. And I think like even like a guy like a Noe Ramirez, like he's a second generation American, Mexican American, whose parents are immigrants. Like I'm in a similar situation. My parents immigrated uh, to the United States, and uh, just sort of like understanding that experience growing up in America, and sort of like just navigating these different things. Like it's important to be able to know that about someone. I think I think it helps understand that like these are people like that's the biggest thing at the heart of this is like these are more than just baseball players uh these are more than just what their war totals are what their wrc plus is in a given season like these are human beings like, they have real stuff that's impacting them like sure mike trout the three-time mvp but like, he's been through a lot in the last couple of years a lot of personal stuff like a lot of personal changes in his life and i think that's stuff that's important because that gives you context when he does speak out when he does give that because you understand who that person is. And I think understanding more of who these people are, I'm like, that's what connects with me, me with athletes, uh, growing up in sports, like growing up watching sports, like that's what's connected me to people, like understanding where they come from or what, like where, who they are comes from. I think that's as important as ever now to really be able to tell these stories. And it's more than just like, Oh, he worked really hard to get here. Like, yeah, everyone worked really hard to get here. But like, what are the different things that he went through? What are the different things that he believes in, things that he cares about, things that he prioritizes? And I think that sort of gives it a what more well-rounded version of the, who, who that person is. Like, if you like listen to how Rand, Anthony Rendon is as a human being, just away from the ballpark or just away from the field in the clubhouse, like you get a better idea of like, oh, that's why he plays baseball the way he does. That's why he moves the way he does. It's just all in tune with his personality, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, it's it's unfortunate that the issues that we're talking about are still kind of persisting, you know, in American society. But I am glad that we're having these conversations now because they're they're long overdue. My last question for you is a little more of an optimistic uh, pivot right here. What is what's the favorite uh, memory or favorite game that you've covered with the Angels? I think I kind of know what your answer might be to this, but I'm curious to hear what your answer is to this. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, it's – you try to have, like, a certain relationship with the player where like, it obviously doesn't cross that line uh, where you're able to still do your job. But, but, like, these are people that you're seeing every day, really. Like, all these guys are guys you're seeing every day. And I think looking back at, like, that no-hitter last year and really the whole two weeks uh, after Tyler Skaggs' death, it was just one of those situations where, like, I still, like, I'm processing different parts of it. Like, there's just different parts of it that are still, like, going to stick with you. Um, and I think sort of leading up to that game, I, I've sort of told this before, but just, like, I had a story idea in mind going into the home opener. Uh, that, I mean, not the home opener, but the first home game uh, after Tyler Skaggs' death. Um, 
I had a story idea. I already done some reporting on it. I talked to Mark Gubaza sort of about like what that routine is like and sort of what it's like for him because he was really close to Tyler. Um, and then uh, just sort of had shaped my story around that, uh, shaped my story around the first pitch that Debbie Skaggs threw and the, sort of the powerful pregame uh, presentation that the Angels put on. And then Mike Trout go, hits a homer. I was like, all right, it's a perfect way to put this like cherry on top of this story. Like, like, oh, the Angels win, big first inning, some numerology here, like really, really cool. Uh, and I'm sort of writing the story. I feel actually really good about it, which doesn't happen that often when I'm writing the story. <laughs> and I look up in the seventh inning and it's just like, oh, well, there's no hits on the board. I, I don't really remember that. Like, I don't really, wasn't really tracking it that heavily uh, with that. And it was just like, oh, this is the thing I guess is happening. So I sort of like stopped everything. And like the next three innings, it's just like, well, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen. And it's just still like, it's hard to try to do those types of stories justice. Cause it's still, it's still amazing to me personally that that happened the way it happened, the day it happened and all the different things that lined up there. It, it just was a very unique experience. And I, like, I've been lucky with the athletic to like cover world series and to be able to like be around some really cool moments, be at like game sevens, but like, like that that's still the game that like really sticks with me this was good stuff as always fabian uh very insightful i just want to thank you for coming on locked on angels uh listeners you can follow fabian's work at the athletic los angeles and you can follow his daily work on twitter at fabian ardaya fabian thank you for joining us appreciate you having me once again, I want to thank Fabian for joining us on today's show. It's always refreshing and insightful to talk Angels baseball with him. That's going to do it for today's show. Again, as I mentioned earlier, make sure to stick around for episodes later this week. On Wednesday, I'll talk to Javier Reyes of Locked On Padres, and we'll discuss the Padres' rise to success this year and preview the Angels-Padres series for later this week. And on Thursday's episode, I'll talk to Rahul Seti of CrashingThePearlyGates.com, where we'll discuss statistics in baseball and Billy Epler's tenure with the Angels. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at BMags94. If you're looking to email me with questions, concerns, comments about the show, you can contact me at BrentJMaguire at gmail.com. And make sure to follow the Locked On Angels podcast on Twitter under the same name. And if you're looking to download and subscribe, head to your favorite podcasting platform, whether it be Google, Apple, Spotify, or any platform of your choice. So that wraps up this edition of Locked On Angels. Make sure to go check out Locked On Padres with Javier Reyes to learn more about the Padres and get a better idea of what the Angels have in store later this week. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in to today's show. Stay safe out there. We'll talk about the Angels tomorrow.